the greatest hits of the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s all on one station. This is WNJH HD1 The views and opinions expressed on this show are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers who are entirely responsible for all show content and do not reflect the opinions of WNJHradio.com. This program is not intended to diagnose any condition or promote any lifestyle. And now, WNJHradio.com presents The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel Church in Hamilton. Well, good evening. It is good to be back. And again, it is exciting to be on the radio in a free America. Thank you very much, our Lord God, through Jesus Christ, his son, who has set us free. And right now we still have the opportunity to proclaim liberty and to proclaim freedom through Jesus Christ. And we are going to do just that first and foremost. I know that much of the world is going through some difficulty. I know that things around us seem to be, uh, excuse me, spinning out of control, but Things are not falling apart. They are just falling into place. I can tell you that, uh, unfortunately, it just happens to be uh, uh, speeding up pretty quickly here in this country. But we know that these things are going to come. We know that in in the end times, in the last days, times are going to be perilous. We know that in the last days that people are going to... to act exactly the way that they're acting. They're going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be proud. They're going to be boastful. They're going to be anything but godly. They're going to turn away from those things that are true, and they're going to decide truth for themselves. And we know that that's what's been taking place in this country. And now, by golly, unless you stand with them, you're an enemy, and you have now been marked as an enemy of the state. And, oh, terrible things can happen. What's the answer? The answer is to not be consumed with that which is the worry of this world. Don't fret. Continue to look up. Don't look around. Don't look down. Look up because your redemption draws near. Are bad things going to happen? Sure, bad things are going to happen. Are times going to get more and more difficult? Of course, things are going to get more and more difficult. Jesus would say, have I not told you? Have I not warned you? Haven't I told you these things are going to come? And yet we're surprised and we're shocked when they happen. You know, when when people in this country do nothing to do uh, what is necessary in order to uh, be obedient to that which God has demanded and required, how can we expect God to keep his hand of protection upon us? And if God doesn't keep his hand of protection upon us, what are we left to? We're left to that which is the will of people who are you know, in inherently, that means we get it from our ancestral heritage and our DNA, we're corrupt. We know we're corrupt, and we need to combat that corruption, and that the answer for that is to corrupt it with God through the power of his Holy Spirit and the Word. So why don't we begin with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you for the opportunity we have. We ask you to, uh, Lord, meet the people right where they are, Help us to be able to encourage one another. May you be strengthened and glorified. May Jesus Christ be lifted high in our hearts and homes, and we give you all the praise in his precious name. Amen. The phone number here is area code 609-593-9654. Again, 609-593-9654. If you have a question, if you have a prayer request, if there's something that's on your mind or you want to comment on something that's being said here tonight, please feel free to call in. It is okay for you to share your opinion. You and I may disagree on opinions, but I hope that we will come to a a consensus on what is truth. Uh, Not that We want to be able to argue and say, well, your truth is relative. Truth is not relative. Truth is found in God's word. Jesus said God's word is truth. I take him at his word. So therefore, if you want another kind of truth, I don't have it. This is not the place to call because I I don't have another place to find truth. I find truth in God's word. Oh, but yeah, pastor, you know, people have been saying that for years, and that's why science and uh, the church, they've had to split because the church has held back science. That's ridiculous. People that really know their history know that that's ridiculous, that many, uh, the astounding number of those who have found the greatest advances in science were born-again Christians, absolutely and bar none. Yes, there are a couple of times that the church made some stupid decisions. Yeah, they arrested Galileo. What kind of morons were they? But when it comes to things concerning uh, the Word of God, the Word of God has always been accurate where it represents science. But sometimes the church can get in the middle. I get it. But God's Word never does, and people that are on God's side certainly never do. 
we want to do what is best. We want to encourage and to help people. Yeah, I know, but you Christians, sometimes you go overboard and you don't even recycle. That's, that's also ridiculous. Christians, we have an absolute responsibility to be good stewards of everything God has provided. And the one thing he's provided is an environment for us, you know, a, a world that is to be uh, protected and cared for. So Christians should be the recyclers. We're the ones that should be separating our uh, those things that need to go in their appropriate green and blue baskets. Because we do care. And when we're viewed otherwise, unfortunately, or when we act otherwise, unfortunately, we bring a black eye to Jesus Christ who set the tone for those things. Now, that's not the point that I want to begin with. Go ahead. Hold on one second there, Pastor. Um, seriously, we're being labeled that we don't recycle, as in the sense as the trash? Uh, it, it's not all the way down to recycling, but it's all the way down to we don't care about the environment. Oh, Christians I, don't care about the environment. Oh, Christians uh, don't. And that's, you know, that's absurd. I find that hard to believe being raised as a Catholic and then uh, reborn. Uh, my household, we recycled thoroughly. My father was a nitpicker when that all first came out, making sure everything was there. That's just a human thing. But I, I, I thought that's what you said. I just wanted to clarify. So. Well, you've met my wife, and my wife was one of those people when she said, okay, well, that's what's necessary, so you got to buy the three bins back way back in right, the day. Right, exactly. You had to get the three bins because yes. you, couldn't, you couldn't mix nope. the glass and the plastics and the cardboards. You had to separate all three mm -hmm. of them. I'm like, okay, uh, I'm happy to do that. But, but then we had to separate even the aluminum yes. from that, and then people used to come by and steal all the aluminum, and then the township got all angry about that. I'm like, I, I, look, I, I just put it out at the curb, right. man. I don't. <laughs> right, I'm not. I'm not sitting there watching and waiting until the next morning when the truck comes by. Yeah, but I'll yeah. separate it. I mean, right. uh, look, it, it's it's the same issue that comes down to the mask. You know, people say you people, you people, you people. Anytime somebody uses that label, you people, it's really hurtful. It means I'm taking my broad brush and I'm going to paint people all the same because of something that I've experienced in my life. I've experienced it from a person or, or people group that seem to represent this. Therefore, I now ascribe that to everyone in that, that group. And that's terrible when we do that. Yes. No, we, we who are believers in Jesus Christ, we should not be the ones who are the, the non-mask wearers. Can you be a mask hater? I don't care if you hate the mask. I hate the mask. Right, I do too. Yeah, nobody wants to. Um, you know, we're getting pretty creative yes, with the are. masks that we're wearing. Thank you uh, to those people who are to this. I was, you know, my son has a really thick beard. One day I was walking around the Columbus Farmer's Market and this woman had th these uh, made, she made them herself, these masks that are two layers and they're nice and they are, they are made for people with full beards. That's a genius. Yeah, so it comes down there and it doesn't, you know, it's not trying to, to pinch under there and, right. and get the hair backed up into your face. So I'm like, this is great. So yes. it worked out terrific. But here's the problem, right? you know. The problem is that all she had left was uh, one with some kind of uh, goofy kids theme on it, and the other one had American flags. And I thought, it's a shame that the one with American flags, that that's the one that's left, because people are almost afraid. You know, yes. if you wear an American flag, you're making a statement. Yes, you, wear you an American are. Flag. So I bought it anyway because, you know, not, you know, I don't want to put my son in a bad position, but it's a nice mask to wear yes. if you got a full beard. Yes, and he and he does, and he, and he keeps it well trimmed. But yeah, we call grief here at the station because, as you notice, we have the three flags in our window, and we did the best we could to make the nation's flag center attention. But as a fireman, and I, they have a flag for us, and then because I truly support the men and women that are police officers. We, I was asked nicely to take down just one, and you could figure out which one wow. it is. And I said, no, I will not. I said, because I just come to find out there's one now for the military, and as soon as that order can get reordered because they ran out already, right. I said, I will proudly display that too. It's the point of the American flag is the center of attention. These other flags are to support right. them. I said, it doesn't degrade the flag. It doesn't do anything wrong. I said, but you're telling me what to do, you know, in my station. And of course, I was also then labeled as a Republican. I said, whatever, you know, but 
All right, so let's get back to where you started before I interrupt. Well, I wanted to start this by saying, you know, with all of the rhetoric that's going on, all the, the terrible things that I see in the news that have been taking place, and, the, you know, this country has never been, in my view, more polarized than it is now. It's never, It was never this polarized from Vietnam. It was not this polarized because uh, people all agreed that war is terrible, war is hell, war is, you know, is there a reason to go to war? Perhaps there is a reason to go to war. However, the atrocities of war, no one said that's good. So the goal was end the conflict, bring the people home, let's move forward. So that was the general consensus. I understand that there were, you know, lots of protests concerning it. I get that. I was a child when most of those protests were taking place, but I also remember the pain that our parents suffered, that our family suffered, because brothers and sisters, uncles, many cases, dads were overseas fighting in a war that was extremely unpopular at best. So what do you do? Well, you pray for them. You pray for them and you do what is right. And then you take it to the polls and you vote your conscience and you talk to your senator and your congressman and you do whatever it is that you believe is in the best interest and that's the right thing to do. So in keeping with that tradition, I'm going to start with the right thing to do. And I'm going to publicly thank those who are in the positions of authority in and around this community. I'm going to start with the mayor of Hamilton, the town council, chief of police, the level headedness that I have seen over the last six, seven months has been encouraging. I've seen the freeholders for crying out loud, acting level headed as, is that, a, I don't know if the grammar is correct, Acting level-headed, not getting caught up in the rhetoric and in the, the terrible passions of things. I've seen the chiefs of police of Hamilton and Mullica, and I've seen many of the state police maintaining a level of decorum that is exemplary, good, careful, faithful men and women serving the communities honorably, and I have to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Right down to even the the level of commitment of those who are the school teachers and the school board here in Mullica, Hamilton, Folsom. Uh, listen, you guys may not agree 100% with each other. I may agree or disagree with some of the decisions that you make, but the weight and the gravity of those decisions is not shouldered by me, it's shouldered by you. So I can tell you that from my chair, I pray for you, and I encourage everybody I know to pray for you. If you want to know what my concerns are, I'll happily share my concerns with you, but I'm fairly certain that the, the whole laundry list of concerns has already been presented to each and every one of you, and you're weighing them and you're struggling through that which are the, the implications, the governor restrictions, the NJEA restrictions, the school board restrictions, how to bus, how to clean, how to get. I, I don't know what all of your issues are, but everything I've seen and everything I've heard, I can, in every case that I've seen, I've seen the heart behind it, and the heart behind it has been we really just want to do what is best. So they may have a different path to get there, but I want you to know I'm praying for you guys. Men and women who have very difficult decisions to make. Men and women who are making decisions that are impacting families and communities. And it's tragic what uh, many families are going through right now. It's, a, it's terrible, the ordeal that many families are facing. And some are facing it with a, you know, a, we'll call it the stiff upper lip, and I'm really impressed with that, but they're not sharing that which is the real deep pain with their kids and their grandkids, and that is an honorable thing. But we all know that many businesses are hanging on by a thread. You know, you're in the tax world here, so you see the intricacies and the, the intimacies of uh, the vulnerability of businesses. How they are, how they are managing, how they are making it. I have another friend who is a, uh, he's a financial consultant for businesses, and his business is finding ways for businesses to improve. And right now, 
he's now shifted to finding ways to help businesses to survive. That's a big deal. And when everything impacts the next level, the next step, whether a restaurant is permitted to open this Friday or not, whether they're afraid that the government is going to shut them down in three days or a week and what that's going to mean, it could demoralize people at a level that I've never experienced in my life before. So I have to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the community that we live in, to every man and woman that I see that smiles and keeps that stiff upper lip and lip and encourages and is sharing that, uh, you know, that praying for and that that attitude of encouragement, even in the midst of it. Yeah. Is it demonstrated? It's hard to demonstrate it behind a mask. Yeah, of course it is. But behind the mask, smile, say hello, greet one another with with that. I'm not saying to shake a hand or back slap because you know that that that's frowned upon, but everybody knows that right now we're all in this together and we're just trying to find the way to get through it. And in this community, boy, man, people have come together uh, like I've never seen, and I'm very glad to see it. I'm not sure how this is going to look when we get through the other side. I'm not even sure when the other side is coming or what the other side really looks like, but the people that I see, the way that they're acting and encouraging one another here gives me great hope. I, I want to interrupt you on that one for a minute. <clears throat> Excuse me. Allergies. Only because today is September 1st, and we all know what happened on September 11th, uh, 2001. And if you remember back then, um, supporting the police and the fire department was overwhelming. Even the military, where people would open up the door or buy them a cup of coffee if they saw them in uniform. We are now right back to that all over again because of this pandemic and people reaching out to each other and everything. I hope we don't do, excuse me, what we have done with 9-11 and as time went on, we phased away from that. And, and I still, to today see a military person in uniform i thank them because just like a police officer which is what you were at one time you get up in the morning you have breakfast with your wife and your children you kiss your wife goodbye she's the one that doesn't know if you're coming back home right that day and i try to tell people that that is such a hard life even if it's on the other shoe, a female police officer kissing her husband and kids goodbye, it's the same thing. The husband does not know yep. if my wife is coming home. It's a thankless job. There's no doubt about it. I mean, but I hope, I hope, and I pray every night when I pray before I go to bed that we don't go backwards again. Well, I was, uh, I was just looking. It just happened to, to fumble across this. Uh, website. And the website was uh, worst places to live in particular states. And as I'm looking at some of these states, I wanted to know, and it, it listed a city, and the city was Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, uh, I have not been to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania personally in probably 15 years. But we used to go up there regularly and consistently. And my wife and I had a cottage up in the mountains north of there. And Wilkes-Barre was a really cute little community. It was very much on the order of a smaller Hamilton downtown. But the people all knew each other. You could park and walk and get a cup of coffee at the little coffee shop. You could go and get a sandwich at the little sandwich shop. Or you can get, you know, something at the bakery. There were... Uh, um, the hobby stores, and I collect Lionel trains, and I would walk in. They had a train store right downtown, and I, I would walk in, and you could have conversation. It was almost like going to Gene's Barbershop over there on Egg Harbor Road, you know, or Railroad Avenue, uh, and you walk in there, and uh, are you going in there to get a haircut? Sure, you're going in there to get a haircut, but you're going in there because you're going to have 45 minutes of conversation, too. You know, you go to, you know, the barbershop, there's, it's because it's friendly and it's community. And that's the way it was. Well, then I was looking at this in, in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Apparently, when the jobs left, it's, it's turned and it's taken a turn for the worse. And downtown is now um, on a decline. And then they started listing other towns. So I said, you know, I wonder what the, you know, the worst places in New Jersey are. And by the way, right here in the middle of where we are is one of the wonderful places to live in New Jersey. We are... Uh, 
We're right in the middle of that, which is not a suburb of a major city. Uh, we're far enough away where if people want to come live here, they can come live here. But they're not, we're not like a bedroom community for Philadelphia. We're not a bedroom community for um, New York City. So we're not like the Hoboken or the, you know, the Irvington or the, I'll call it North Central Jersey up there. And here we are, we're, we are just that, which is if people want to live here, they can live here for a purpose. Yeah, I know we're only a half an hour from Philadelphia. I know we're only a half an hour from Atlantic City. If you have a job at one of those two places or even farther away in either direction. But right now, this is a good place to live. People here seem to still hold traditional family values. We care about one another. We care about the schools, uh, the school teachers. Uh, many of them are even from the community, so you get to know them. They know who we are. They've even, you know, their parents have known our parents, which is a, a nice thing to do. You go right down to the, you know, the mayor's office, the chief's office, the zoning board, and you see the same people in the zoning board that you see at the diners and the restaurants in town. People know one another, and they care about one another because we live here in the same community. We all seem to get along. Um, you know, look, not everything is perfect. I'm not trying to tell you that it's duckies and bunnies and unicorns every day. But compared to much of the rest of the world, it's a great place to live. When I walk downtown, uh, you know, I'm saddened that COVID has shut down third Thursdays many times. It was a lot uh, less people the last third Thursday. But this next third Thursday, I'm looking forward to some exciting times. I look forward to third Thursday walking downtown. I look forward to sitting out in front of places and having a cup of coffee and a scone or a cup of coffee or a nice Coke and food from any one of the estate. I don't want to just call out one because there's not, they're all good people, everybody downtown. They're all there just to encourage the community, and you just try to go and uh, encourage one another as we're walking. Some people are walking their dogs. Some people are, are strolling down the street. Some people are dressing up as a result of it. It's just a very encouraging place to be. But um, uh, if we are not aware of what's going on in the rest of the state and the rest of the country, um, we would have our head buried in the sand. So I, I want to look at some of those things. So I want to start with all the positive, with the thank yous, and the, it's great to be here, and it's good to live here. Why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we're going to look at some uh, some really difficult issues um, of what's going on in the world. So thank you again. The phone number is area code 609-593-9654, 593-9654. Thanks, Rick. Hello, this is Diane Lombardo with Calvary Chapel Hamilton's Women's Ministry. During this difficult time with so many restrictions, it is easy to get down when we focus on the things we cannot do. I'd like to challenge us all today to focus on those things which we can do. We can call our neighbor to check on them. We can offer to get groceries for the elderly living nearby. We can send a card through the mail to encourage and brighten someone's day. We can be gracious and kind to those who are working at the grocery stores, pharmacies, and other businesses. We can brighten someone's day with just a smile from a distance. We can implement family meals within our home. We can walk around our yards and neighborhoods praying for others. We can thank those who are working on the front lines. We can plant a beautiful garden and share with our friends. We can worship God from our living rooms with live stream options. We can do so many things, even in the midst of having restrictions, in ways we never expected. Together, we can bring beauty and joy to our friends and family. I look forward to seeing the impact you will have. Please share what you're doing on our Facebook page at Calvary Chapel Hamilton. Now back to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo on WNJHradio.com. It is, again, good to be back. The phone number here is area code 609-593-9654. Now for some of the harder topics. What do we do now that the lid has been blown off of that which is the truth concerning the pandemic? I was so encouraged that the numbers came out the way that they were. Uh, I want to start by saying every life that was lost is uh, heartfelt. And there are many people who have succumbed as a result of this terrible disease. That's true. But those that have actually died of COVID compared to those that have died with COVID is radically different. I was talking to a doctor who inadvertently said that when their child came to them and tested 
positive or was listed as positive for COVID. They did not test. They just saw that they had a cold or cold symptoms, and that is sufficient for them to list it as COVID. So this is a problem. It's a problem when the the guidelines are are geared toward bending something. And the bent has to be, uh, the, look, let's be honest, the biggest motivator to people is money. The biggest motivator to people is how can I gain either a financial benefit from this or a power grab from this or sometimes both. And I'm getting really, I was getting really discouraged and now I start to see some movement. I start to see people that are actually saying, when will it end? You look, I, I can do math also. This is, not, this is not rocket science, land on the moon kind of math. This is looking at the number of persons that have been tested and how many of those persons. And when you look at the number of people in the state versus the number of persons that have been tested and the number of positive cases, and now the seriously flattened number of people who have died as a result of it, in California, the number is 99.85% chance of survival. More people have died from suicide than COVID by that number. That's a terrible number when suicides are up by 700%. And now we know that overall, including everybody who has lost a loved one, and the pain of losing somebody is not diminished, but we have lost people who have already have some comorbidity. Many have been elderly and suffering from other things also, and it was, yeah, I understand that it was escalated. I understand that it was uh, enhanced. They may have survived had they not gotten COVID. They also may not have survived had they gotten the flu. They may not have survived. I don't know what the may-haves are. I understand that, but it's 6%, and that 6%, when we look at New Jersey, and the number is almost 50% of those that passed were already in a nursing home here in New Jersey, that that number 6% means that in society, it is such a minuscule risk, yet we have shut down everything. That in California, 40 million people, there has been one child under 16 years old, according to the statement I heard yesterday, one child under 16 years old that has died of COVID, and that child had other difficulties. One out of 40 million, and the schools are shut down in California. This is, this is something that needs to be taken into consideration. I understand we've had uh, this hit us hard back in February and March. Really did. Took us by surprise. I get it. I understand that the governor had to shut down, and he shut down for 15 days. And we all said, let's look, it would be ridiculous. It would, it would not be the sane thing to do to not just hunker down. And I was with you. I was with you in the line at the Walmart. I was with you there trying to buy just one extra roll of toilet paper and not buy the 24-pack because I knew that they were trying to limit and restrict it. And I really thought maybe we'll just get through 15 days, even though everybody knew it was going to be longer than that. Yes, I went to Sam's. Yes, I bought the big pack of toilet paper from Sam's. Yes, I bought water. Yes, I I tried to buy Clorox. I tried to buy the things that I thought I would need. I even went to the vitamin store and bought my zinc and calcium and something called quercetin to you guys who pay attention to such things. I went to the health food store to go and buy them, and many of them were sold out or barely able to find them. Because I, I knew that it was going to be something difficult and we were going to have to hunker down and get through it. It extended to 30 days. I'm okay with that. But beyond 30 days, we started to gain information. We started to know what it is that it did, how it mutated, how it's going to affect and impact. And then decisions were made. And we have to be realistic about what these decisions were. And the decisions were to send our elderly parents and grandparents back to the nursing homes. That was a terrible decision. 
I am not going to debate whether it was done on purpose or it was just reprehensible, but clearly it was a mistake. I understand that people can make mistakes. That was a mistake. It was a bad decision. If someone did it knowingly, well, they'll answer for it, even if they answer for it eternally. But if they did it deliberately, knowingly, shame on them. If they did it innocently because they thought it was best, may God have mercy on them because they still have to live with that decision. But at 30 days, you would think that with a multitude of counselors, according to the Word of God, with a multitude of counselors, there is much wisdom. But our state decided not to go with a multitude of counselors. One man decided to take that full authority and said, I will dictate what it is that is going to be the openings and closings of businesses in this state. I will take full and personal and sole responsibility for human lives. 700% suicide increase in the state. Uh, Listen, somebody who would take that sole responsibility for that, uh, I do not consider that wisdom. Not based on my understanding of truth, on God's Word's understanding of truth. God's Word says, multitude of counselors, there's much wisdom. We have in our plan multitude of counselors. We have legislators from both sides of the aisles. At the very least, there should have been people to consult and to encourage, and not just a unilateral decision when it comes to life and death. When it's extended for another 30 days, that was tragic. But here we're into seven months, and no one is doing anything about it. We as a people in this country seem to think that that's just business as normal. No, it's business and normal under Mussolini. It's business as normal under Mao Zedong. It is not business as normal in the United States of America. The United States of America, there's a, there's a paper I read it. What, how does it begin? Oh, yeah, we the people. We the people. In order to see to it that this does not happen, that a tyrannical person cannot any longer just dictate, we have these checks and balances, and none of them have been instituted. And it's terrible to live in this society where that has been the impact. Am I speaking personally? Yes. You heard the disclaimer at the beginning of this. The views and the opinions expressed are mine and mine alone. But I believe that they line up with that which is the teaching of the Word of God, and that is that when someone takes that sole responsibility, he has to accept all of that consequence that goes along with it. That's why we have the ability to gain counselors. If you have just one man, a dictatorship that has any sole authority over anything, absolute power, you know that you can finish the sentence for me, corrupts, and it corrupts absolutely. And here we are now bearing that which is the difficulty presented. I can look at the math. I can see the numbers have flattened. I can see, and now it's come out, that 94% of the people that have even tested positive that have passed, passed because they had some other reason to cause them to be in a diminished or weakened condition. I get it. So the decisions that we make now, when I hear all the statements, let science dictate, let data dictate dates. The data's out. Six months of intent. There's never been such scrutiny over something like this. There's never been such a a massive... uh, coming together to be able to say, how do we defeat this? And now they've come out with the fact that it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's defeated. It's been beaten. We have treatments. We have uh, protocols. We have those things that are permitted to be even used to keep people from getting it. What's that? Uh, Hydroxycoqualine? Close enough for me, Pastor. I can never pronounce it. I can't pronounce out the medication I take. So uh, when that came out, and the doctors are saying, here it is, at least this is a treatment. And now they're saying, no, you have to have a double-blind study unless you're going to do it. I was talking to another doctor just the other day. He said, do you know if you held that standard for any other course of medicine, that you would never be able to treat any pregnant woman 
for any disease because they have not had a double-blind study because they cannot risk it with a double-blind study, which would include, let's see how many of them uh, take it and die, how many of them don't take it and die, how many have a negative impact with the baby. How many? You can't do that and risk a child because the risk clearly outweighs the benefit, but yet that's an acceptable procedure when it comes to dealing with children in the womb but it's not an acceptable procedure when it comes to dealing with life and death facing uh, COVID. And, you know, my friend was in Virginia. He, he's only in his 50s. He, came, he has some comorbidities, and he came down with uh, COVID. One week after the FDA pulled their permission to be able to use uh, hydroxychloroquine regularly. So he was not given it. Four days he's fighting for his life on a ventilator. Four days, his wife is in tears. She called friends, and some friends helped her to reach out to people that knew other people that could say, this hospital in your state treats using hydroxycoquiline. She had to transfer him to that hospital. One day of treatment came off the ventilator. One day of treatment. But in the hospital he was, he was just going to lay there, get worse, until either his body miraculously fought it off, or he died because he could not get that treatment that was no longer permitted in that, in that hospital. And if you ask me personally, and this is my personal opinion, that if the President of the United States has, had not promoted hydroxycoquiline, it would not be fought so hard against. Not to get you off your train of thought there, but that was an argument that I had. I shouldn't say argument, a discussion, because my true friends that know me, I don't, make enemies when it comes to politics. I just say, I'll agree to disagree with you. But you would think that the leader of our country has the top-notch doctors around. And when he was promoting that, everybody was laughing at him. And now it's coming out that that's a good alternative for until a vaccine is made. Um, that was just my two cents on that. But... Go ahead, Pastor. Well, I, I have friends that are doctors, you know, and one of my doctor friends uh, said to me early on, he said, look, you really need to get your vitamin D. Uh, go take vitamin D. You need to take zinc and you need to get, uh, he told me to go take tonic water because it has a derivative of quinine in it. And not because quinine in itself does anything, but it helps apparently, it helps the zinc get absorbed into the bloodstream and does whatever it's supposed to do better. But there's also a vitamin called quercetin. And quercetin works with that which is the zinc to help the zinc go into your bloodstream, which provides a, a hostile, a more hostile environment so viruses don't like it. They don't like to reproduce in that environment. So take that and that will help. It will, it will assist your body in fighting off this disease. This is a, this is a doctor. So, uh, But I've known the man now for years and he has never lied to me. So that when he said, hey, you know, you probably should take quercetin along with your other regimen of vitamins, I asked him how to spell it. He spelled it for me. And so I didn't forget how to spell it. I texted the word to my wife with a little sentence. And then that day, she went to the health food store and bought it and brought it to me and said, is this what you were looking for? And I said, yeah, this is what Doc said um, would be helpful. Because he has never lied to me. He only has my best interest. Now, that's just my little small country doctor. Love my doctors, really do. You know, they're, they're good people. They live in the community. They care about us. Good people. But then I have a federal doctor stand up and then say, I've lied to you. I lied to you concerning the efficacy of the masks. Masks do not help. And then he comes out later and says, I deliberately lied to you because I didn't want you to get the masks. I wanted people who were more valuable than you to get the masks, people who were on the front lines, people. And I knew you are going to go buy them and hoard them. And since I know that you can't be trusted, I'm lying to you directly. And now several months later, but I'm telling you the truth now. You should believe me. I cannot believe you because you are a doctor. And as a doctor, you have a standard. And my doctor can never lie to me. 
my doctor has to tell me the truth. He's not afraid to tell me the truth when my A1C creeps up. He's not afraid to look at me and say, I love you like a brother, lose weight. He's not afraid to look at me and say, you're risking your kidneys if you don't do this. He's not afraid to say, you know, if you don't make these changes, this is the potential. And it's not because he doesn't like me. It's because he does like me. He cares for me. That's the man that I need to trust. Not one that for the betterment of the public good will stand up and then lie to me and then has the audacity to say, but I can be trusted 100%. Why should I trust you? Because I told you the truth that I lied to you. That makes you trustworthy to me? Are you lying now? Well, I can't tell you if I'm lying now because it might be six months from now that I have to tell you I was lying then too because it was better for whatever reason. And this is that ends justifies the means business, yet we're taught that this is the information that we have to get behind, that this is the information that we are taught, do your part to defeat this pandemic through a collectivist social response. That's a quote. Do your part to defeat the pandemic through a collectivist socialist response. Unfortunately, once you start to see that, and anybody pays any attention to the writings of Karl Marx, they see the implications that are coming down there. When you hear these phrases, listen to the experts. Not those people in your community that care about you and your community. The experts. Those people that know. Listen to them and follow the science. That will be the answer. They have the answer for you. No, I can't because they have not demonstrated their trustworthiness. I have a doctor that I trust. I have a pastor that I trust. I have the word of God that has never, ever been wrong. If it violates that, I can say that's the truth. When it comes down to this, this new scientific socialism, these are not words that I'm inventing. These are words that are already out there in our society. The scientific socialism causes a number of things. First is it suppresses independent thought. That means what you think doesn't matter. We have to get along with the, with the hive mentality. Live like the Borg, for any of you that are Star Trek fans. The next thing is it has to eliminate free speech. As long as the free speech speaks to that which is the narrative, everything is wonderful. But as soon as that free speech speaks against it, it needs to be shut down. And listen to the rhetoric, the rhetoric that's coming across every day. I would punch him in the face. I would punch him in the face. If I see a police officer draw a weapon, I will shoot him. Does not matter what the reason. If there is a police officer with a weapon drawn, I will shoot him. There's a problem in society. And then we have to resort to publicly shaming or criminalizing those that disagree with the public narrative. And here's where it gets difficult because I'm a pastor of a church, and it becomes difficult because churches are under attack. I wanted to go back and say thank you, thank you to the level-headedness of those in authority here in this part of Central South Jersey. Thank you for your conservative family values and core ideals. May God richly bless us, and may we be a light that shines to the rest of the state and the rest of the world. But in California, a man named John MacArthur, who has a church, and his, his church has been there for decades, but he had the audacity to have a church service when the governor of the state shut down worship services and says, you will not meet in a church building, period. You can open a casino, you can have an abortion clinic, you can buy and sell your groceries, you can do whatever your Hobby Lobby is open. You can buy and even uh, enjoy your cannabis in your state-run stores. Everything, it seems, everything else is open, but churches are illegal. You can go into the church for a food bank. You can go into the church to have an AA meeting. But if you open up a Bible, you go to jail. There's a problem, and the problem is now anti 
uh, has to be anti-church. Is it anti-God? They don't think so, but of course it is. Anti-God. Well, we now find that John MacArthur's church has been given three separate orders to shut down, and each one of those orders has been deficient. It has been rejected by court because it failed to meet the criteria. It was, was not a lawful order. Three separate times. So what does the city of Los Angeles do? The city of Los Angeles then terminates the lease, a 45-year lease with a church for parking. They terminate the lease and say, well, you can't park on public land now because you're a terrible person for going against that which is the dictate of the governor of a state who is acting unilaterally. He is not getting counsel from any other individual. He's acting on his own. And now we find this terrible decision. And he has not only been publicly shamed, but now he is made to be a criminal because he dissents. One of the things that he said is, do you look at the numbers in California? 40 million people here in the state. And more people are dying from suicide than COVID, and we're restricting people from getting that which is their hope. Liquor sales in California are through the roof. Cannabis sales in California are through the roof. Drug sales for people self-medicating are through the roof because people who need hope can't find it in churches, and apparently the government wants that. They want a hopeless condition where they're going to rely on self-medication and alcohol and drugs in order to try to cope. And if they can't cope, jump off of the bridge because that's the answer. But don't dare have church. And it strikes me as if the numbers could substantiate it, I go back to the very beginning of a program. The beginning of our program is this. You know, as a pastor, I have to care more about people than I do about myself. I have to care more about other people than I care about my comfort. I have to care more about even the environment than I care about my personal comfort. I cannot just willy-nilly, especially, you know, at the church right here on Egg Harbor Road, I can't just say, no, we're not going to recycle because recycling is a waste of time. No, recycling is a fact of life. So because recycling is a fact of life, yes, we have recycling buckets. Yes, we have the different colored trash cans throughout the building. And yes, we have two dumpsters, one for trash and one for recyclables. Yes, we do that. Uh, is everybody 100% diligent? Look, I, I don't know. I don't inspect the trash. But I know that if we want to be good representatives in the community, we will pay attention to those things. That you don't just willy-nilly walk into the, to the Wawa and they have their, their trash receptacle that says recyclables and trash. And you don't throw your trash in the little hole that's marked recyclable and you don't throw your plastic bottle in the one marked trash. And it's not just because somebody may catch you or watch it or post it on a video. It's not because of that. It's for two other reasons. One is it is the right thing to do to demonstrate that you care about the community and other people. And the second is you want to be honoring to your God. So as much as is possible, live peaceably among all men. Wear your mask. I, I'm, I'm one of those persons that's guilty of when I walk out of a store, when I get near the front door to the store, I, I have taken my mask off. And my son has pointed out to me, he said, you know, you get a lot of dirty looks when you do that. And I said, you know, Chenz, I, I don't even think about it. I'm sorry. So now I have to consciously wait until I'm not only out of the store, but I'm walking down the pathway a little bit and not, not near any other individual because they get concerned. And it's not because I really think the mask is going to help me in the last six feet of the, the building. Uh, no, but I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that, that gets the glare, the, the, oh, I thought he would care about me. I do care. By the way, just for you guys to pay attention to such things, there's a CVS commercial on uh, YouTube, and the family walking out of the CVS, they go through the first set of double doors and they rip off their masks before they actually walk out of the second set of double doors. I find it kind of amusing. 
that that's where the cameras are. But anyway, I digress. How do we then demonstrate what it is that is necessary and critical? Well, we have to do what is right. But the goal of the the goal of those in many tyrannical states is that they really believe that they're on the side of right shutting down churches. They really believe they're on the side of right burning down buildings. They really believe they're on the side of right taking a police officer and smashing him in the head with a frozen water bottle. They think that they're doing a public service. They think that they're doing the just thing when they take and seal people in buildings and then set the buildings on fire. They don't realize that that tactic has been utilized by the most brutal of people in order to strike terror into the hearts of citizenry all over the globe for thousands of years. It happened in Israel in 70 AD when the Romans came in and the people said, we will flee to that which is the temple. They won't bother us if we're in the temple. The temple is put there by Herod. Herod has been established by Rome. They won't dare do anything to us. And the temple was ignited and burned everyone inside alive. It was a terrible, terrible ordeal. Ask the nation of Israel if that is something that is civically responsible or if that is something that strikes fear into the hearts of men. And that's what it's designed to do. There is nothing peaceful about it. There is nothing protest about it. It is just an act of extreme cruelty and violence. And there's an answer for it. And the answer is, if we, the people of God, will get on our knees, turn from our wicked ways, turn to God, and repent... Then he will hear our prayers and heal our land. And we have a responsibility to do that. I wish we lived in a, in a country that was safer to do that. Because I have in my hand an invitation from Franklin Graham. And Franklin Graham said on September 26th, he's going to have a prayer walk. And the prayer walk is going to be in Washington, D.C. And he's going to go from, let me see if I can find where it's going to be. It's going to be from the Lincoln Memorial to the U.S. Capitol building on the 26th of September. And I thought about it, and I'm praying about it. And no, I don't think I'm going to bring a busload of people down there. Not because I don't think it's a good idea to pray for this country, but I think that the risk of um, violence outweighs that which is the demonstration of prayer. I think that we do need to pray. But I don't think that we need to form a protest or a demonstration of it uh, because I don't think it's going to be perceived well in Washington, D.C. So I'm saddened by that. Uh, I'm interested to know what your opinions are concerning that. But I do pray. I pray every day for our president. I pray every day for our congressman. I pray every day for our senators. I pray every day for our governor. I pray every day for our legislators. I pray every day that they will get a voice. I pray for common sense to rule the day. I pray for evil to be overthrown and for good to be the hallmark. I pray for the souls of those who are making these difficult decisions, and I pray for those who are in our local uh, authority. I pray for the mayors, for the councils, for the school boards, for the superintendents of schools, the principals, the teachers, and the staff, and anyone that I can think of by name, I pray for by name, and those by title and by office, I pray for. I encourage you to do the same. I encourage you to be an encouragement to those around you. I encourage you to, you know, as Rick said earlier, you know, when you walk into the, the Wawa or the, the 7-Eleven or any of the stores and a person in front of you is wearing a military uniform and they're getting a cup of coffee and a sandwich, if you have the means and you have the heart to do it, uh, pay for their coffee. Buy them a sandwich if, you, if it's on your heart to do it. If not, encourage them and thank them for their service. Likewise, to 
any of those who are on the front lines facing the difficulties and challenges that we have. They really do need the encouragement. It's time for us, and we need to stop falling in line for that which is the transformation and the reimagination of that which is this scientific socialism, and we need to stop doing our part to collectively form a social response, and we need to do our part towards what is right. What has God called us to do? And he has said that we are not to be afraid, and we are to be strong and of good courage, and we're to be men and women of confident hope and faith, and we're supposed to stand up for that which is right, and stand up for those who are hurting and the oppressed, and stand up for those who are weaker than we, and to be able to be an encourager. And we have the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. I understand that he may not be the popular answer, but he's the truth, and he brings life. I write this that you may know that you can have joy unspeakable. I write this that you may know that you can have an abundant life. The Son of Man came in order to bring life, and that life more abundant. So we need to not kick him out. We need to embrace him and embrace him fully. Uh, I have no other message. My message is Jesus Christ. So uh, Rick has given me the high sign. He needs me to take another break. So we're going to take a break. Phone number is area code 609-593-9654. We still have time for a call should you desire. Looking for a place to hang out with family and friends and have a great time too? Rocco's Townhouse, 21 North 3rd Street, Hamilton, New Jersey, is the place for you. Dave and Steve Ruberton have kept traditions of the townhouse alive and well for more than 35 years. Open daily at 4 p.m., Rocco's Townhouse has a very large selection of micro-brew beers, both on tap and in the bottle. Along with daily dinner specials, you will never walk away hungry. Looking for something different? Rock Bottom Whiskey Bar is the place located downstairs at Rocco's Townhouse. It's open every Friday and Saturday night at 7 p.m. and it doesn't stop there. Live events from some of the greatest local bands in the area make the evening better. Look to have your next event at Rocco's Townhouse and Rock Bottom Whiskey Bar. Rocco's Townhouse, 21 North 3rd Street, Hamilton, New Jersey is the place where everyone is meeting. Don't forget to visit them online at Rocco'sTownhouse.com or give them a call at 609 609- 9561-9384. That's 609-561-9384. Everyone meets at Rocco's Townhouse. Again, it's good to be back. Thank you so much for bearing with me, sharing my opinions. I can tell you that uh, as I start to read God's word, I'm not discouraged, I'm encouraged. You know, he says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. We're called to be wise as we walk through this life, but we're not called to be followers of anyone but Jesus Christ. We're called to be sheep of his pasture. He says, my sheep know my name. We need to get to know our shepherd. We need to get to know who he is and walk accordingly. You know, in this world, when things start to get much more difficult and start to spin more and more out of control, uh, maybe next week we're going to start look at what's going on globally because uh, this COVID has affected us and it's uh, perhaps in many places it's weakened our stance globally. But the reality is that uh, the United States is not the center of God's world. Israel is the center of God's world. His bride is the center of his focus, and his bride is not just located in the United States. His bride is located throughout the world. And in many countries, believe it or not, in China itself, there are more Christians in China where it is illegal to be a Christian. There are more Christians in China than in America where it is legal to be a Christian. There are more people attending church in China than there are people attending church in America. Yet you have to go find a church, and you have to go find a church that is not even a legal church. It's an underground church, and they find them because uh, where God's people are, there is peace. And people that have been so heavily oppressed for generations know the value of the truth of God's Word. 
we may get to that place where we're going to be so shaken that we're going to have to relearn the value of the truth of God and his word. And when we stop our ability to rely on those things that are unstable, you know, God calls his people, and this is going to be the, the lesson of next week, God calls his people to not rely on the arm of the flesh, to not look to Egypt for the answers. Egypt is like a, a reed that is a sharp pointed stick. And if you lean on it, it's going to go right through your hand. It cannot sustain you. It seems like it's going to be the answer, but it's going to leave you empty and wanting if you do not seek the truth. But if we seek the truth, then we'll have that confident hope in the peace. You know, God promises for his children he promises that uh, he will never leave us nor forsake us. So when I start to look around and I see uh, many things in the world seemingly falling apart, they're not falling apart, they're just falling into place. There's coming one day a one-world government. There's coming one day a one-world economy. There's going to be a global currency. There's going to be a, a one-seated authoritative government that governs every nation in the world. Um, that day is coming. We see it progressing. If you would have asked me 40 years ago now uh, when that would happen, I would have said, I would, how in the world could that possibly happen? But now it not only is possible, it's highly likely that I'm going to see it in my lifetime. I would be shocked, you know, when you start to see uh, that which is written of in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39, those nations that start to surround Israel and are eventually going to invade Israel from the north, that they're listed by name, and many of them didn't even exist until recently. Uh, they had been all but obliterated, and now they've not only come back, but they've been given authority and military might. And now they are, they are sworn enemies of the nation of Israel. Now they have the military strength behind them, and they're going to start to make overt moves to come in and start to crush the nation of Israel, and the United States is not mentioned. So I guess the question that we have to ask is, what do we do? Well, we rely on the peace of God. We don't rely on that which is a government that is uh, prone to failure. We rely on uh, God to keep things in control. But if we want peace in our country and in our homeland, we need to repent and we need to go back to those Judeo-Christian uh, truths of God's Word. And if we do not, then we cannot seek his peace in good conscience, and he cannot bless us because— he said, I cannot bless those that behave this. I discipline those whom I love. And we are, we're ripe for discipline. So I'm praying for revival. I'm not one of those persons that, that is praying for the doom and gloom. I'm praying for the Lord Jesus Christ to pour out his spirit. And may we receive and listen to what it is that he said and turn our hearts toward him. When I saw 9-11 happen, people ran to the church. It was short-lived, but they ran to the church for prayer. Right now, I wish we saw the very same heart of people, which is, I need to know where the answers are. I need someone that will pray with me. I encourage you, if you are a member of a local church, please pray for your community, your pastor, and those who worship with you. If you are not uh, regularly attending a church, I invite you to come to 660 South Egg Harbor Road to Calvary Chapel. We want to pray with you and encourage you and get you equipped to be able to face the challenges and difficulties ahead. Uh, that's my heart's prayer, and that's the main focus of this radio program, not to discuss COVID, but to give answers and hope to those who are in the same uh, position as I, which is I'm just trying to raise my family in a community that still honors God. So I hope that you join me. I hope you agree with me in that purpose. Uh, thank you very much for allowing me to even speak on the air. Please keep it up. Thank you, Rick, for another good night. Why don't we close in prayer? Father, we come to you. Thank you for all that you are. We ask your blessing on this country. We thank you that uh, you know, for us in this small pocket in New Jersey, we live in a place where uh, principles that are of godliness still seem, uh, seem to have the, uh, the stronghold. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those men and women who are making uh, good decisions for our families, for our kids, for our homes and our communities. And Lord, I ask you to give them an extra dose of wisdom, but help them to feel that which they need, uh, which is truly supported and encouraged. We stand with them. 
as we stand collectively with you, Lord. We invite you to take the full reins, to have your your wisdom be the wisdom of the mayor and council. Have your wisdom be the wisdom of the school board. Have your wisdom be the wisdom of those who are in authority, even at the local level and the freeholder level and the city and the state level, certainly, Lord. That impacts us directly. We ask for your wisdom to be the hallmark of the day for those who make decisions. And Lord, change people's hearts, men's and women's hearts. Bring them to a place of peace and concern and care for their fellow man. And remove this this spirit of violence that's uh, taken hold. And may uh, peace rule the day. And we give you all the praise, asking fervently in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks. Amen. All right. So as always, if um, you missed the show, and I know I haven't been saying that on a regular basis, we do record the show, and it will be up on our website every Friday. So you can check there every Friday. If you miss an episode or you want to go back and listen to prior episodes, they are all there. If you wish to contact the pastor at any time, you can have you can find his email address on our website. Well, our website is wnjhradio.com. Sometimes you have to put the www before, and sometimes you don't. Wednesday night at seven o'clock, we stream live through YouTube at Calvary Chapel of Hamilton, and we have two services on Sunday, a nine and a ten thirty, and the ten thirty service is also stream uh, live. We do. Go ahead. I want to share one more thing, and that is that uh, we are starting a, a, a an intense equipping and training yes. program that's coming up starting next week. And uh, starting the the Monday, the 13th of September, we're going to begin a an intense training program to be able to get people fully equipped. Should things go go turn from bad to worse, I want God's people to know how to rightly divide the truth for themselves. I want each and every man and woman to know how to be able to take the Bible and to be able to not only learn what it says, but to be able to teach what it is that is in the Word of God, to be able to share that. Should we have to go into home churches and be an encouragement at that uh, that level? Should things shut down dramatically, radically, permanently? Uh, the Word of God will go forth. How it goes forth, I, I want to Equip every man and woman that wants to know how to know and how to be better equipped to be able to do that. I want you guys to have that full equipment. So that's going to begin on Monday nights at Thank 7 o'clock. Thank you for joining us and Wednesdays listening to The Carpenter's Thanks, Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo of Calvary Chapel Sorry, of folks, Hamilton. I did not mean Join to us do next that. Tuesday I am seven... trying to stop it. There we go. Sorry about that, Pastor. If you want to go ahead and finish what you were saying. No, I know you're just trying to cut off a no, long-winded pastor. No, no, I know no, it. That's no, a <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I was trying to get. Uh, never mind. All right. So with that, I'll I'll go through it real quick. As the pastor said, starting next Monday, which not this Monday coming Labor Day, the following Monday, an intense program. It is open to everybody, as the pastor says all the time. And I have been there since we started it, and I encourage everybody to talk to the pastor. If you need to talk to the pastor, as I was saying, it is on our website page. You can at any time go to the page, click on it, and it'll take you right to your email, and you can send him um, whatever you need to send him. You miss a show, you can always tune in right on our Facebook, our website page and find the shows that were played previously, and this week's show will be up on Friday. Um, once again, two services on Sunday, 9 and 10.30. 10.30 is live stream and is also the first Sunday of the month and we do do communion on them day, on the first Sunday of the month. Until next week, I enjoyed it. Pastor, thank you. I enjoyed it. And as always, join J.J. Gullick in the morning starting at 6 a.m. And I'll see you guys at 2. Everybody have a great night.